<laughs> well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition, another wild edition, apparently, of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and get started with music while we allow people to jump on with us this morning for Sunday school. It's a passage from a Dr. Well, passage. It's a song from Dr. E. Dewey Smith from the House of Hope Church in Atlanta uh, singing Down at the Cross. And it's a beautiful rendition. And I'll let him... And uh, let the music speak for itself. But thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, Beverly. Thanks for being here. You're officially first, I think, (laughs) for today. Ronnie, good morning. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, what a coincidence. Today is Communion Sunday. <laughs> it worked out pretty well. I'm singing glory. That's a good song. Morning, Roscoe. God bless you, brother. Amen. Good morning, Clorinda. Amen. Looks like I've been outside a lot. (laughs) Charles and Joanna, good morning. God bless you guys. Hope you're holding up pretty well today. It's a beautiful day outside. It's supposed to be very nice. High of about 84. Not too terrible. It's going to be hotter tomorrow, though. <laughs> Hopefully some of you have made plans for the 4th just to kind of relax and enjoy uh, Independence Day. Amen. Amen. Cindy Phillips, good morning. God bless you. Hope you've got your coffee. Amen. Preachers that can sing, amen? <laughs> amen. Sometimes old school is a good way to go. Thank you for being here this morning. church too. Amen. Hear that, Vic? (laughs) Oh, man. It's great to be able to laugh. Laugh and smile. Big cup of coffee, amen. Big cup. Amen. (laughs) Amen. 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 Uh, Thanks again. Now, that was, again, Dr. E. Dewey Smith 
he was singing down at the cross at the uh, House of Hope in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we appreciate that very much, the music. And uh, I think we've got it figured out, Arlen. I think this is the way to go. We're doing pretty good. As a backup, I still have uh, videos for Akron Alliance from some older songs, too. So uh, we we're, we got it covered. I think we got it all together now. So it's all wonderful. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, we appreciate you all being here. We have, um, of course, a full slate of uh, Sunday activity, of course, here online with Sunday School. And we invite those of you who are tuning in that are not able to come to our church in Akron that uh, there will be a message available on the timeline here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. Pastor Gus has a message of three witnesses of God. He's continuing his study in the uh, end times in the book of Revelation. Excuse me. And um, that will be following Sunday school here on the timeline. And, of course, those of you who are in Akron who are going to church today, you'll hear that same message uh, in church. And we appreciate you're being able to attend. It's going to be a beautiful day out. We hope that you can get out and, and come and see us. Uh, we appreciate that very much um, because there is a testimony there of waiting. Uh, the Lord is going to be speaking uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We appreciate you understanding that as well, too. That's a good reason to come out. But hopefully you will also, if you tune in here online, and uh, all we want is the Spirit to speak. We don't want anything to come out that is in any way self-centered or uh, focusing on us as individuals, we want to be able to speak through the Spirit. Uh, Anne and Larry, good morning. Thank you for being here. God bless you both. Um, please remember your tithes and offerings. We, of course, rely upon those just to keep things moving in our church. And, of course, tithes and offerings, if you are coming to church today, there's a drop box in the church uh, at, uh, in, the, in the lobby area uh, and as you come in the door. And we appreciate you doing that if you're able to. If you cannot come to church and you want to mail your tithes or offerings, please do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And pray as you uh, deliberate how much you're going to give, too. That's also very important as you're giving. It is a, uh, it's a way of worship uh, in ministry just like in any other way. We appreciate you taking that into consideration. But, of course, we rely upon those to make sure we're paying the, uh, the basics at church as well, too, and also having money set aside for benevolent purposes. We appreciate you understanding uh, all of that as we uh, ask you to contribute and give. Today's uh, Sunday School lesson is not going uh, to have much in Bible verses, but we're going to be talking about something that's going to be pretty important. And it's one of those things as we kind of wind down the biblical inerrancy topic, we're going to be talking about translations. This is something that is kind of near and dear to my heart, only because uh, I know I've talked about it several times before, but uh, I'm going to be providing input also from, um, uh, mostly from uh, how we got the Bible um, via Bible.org. I'll say that very quickly, not too fast, uh, by Sid Litke. Uh, has a master's in theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. Has some great information here for us to rely upon. If you if you have any ideas or, or questions about the Bible version that you're reading, um, we want to try to alleviate those uh, questions here, hopefully through the text and that I'll be going through. And it's going to be really important to uh, zero in on whatever Bible text it is, provided it's something that is directly coming from um, this flow of scripture as we've gotten these translations down over the years. Whatever it is the most readable and the most understandable, that's really what it comes down to. And I want to make sure that we are all sensitive to that. We, we should not be locked into any one version. I recommend, honestly, that you have more than one version handy uh, at your disposal to be able to read and understand what's going on. Uh, good morning, Jackie. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. And so... Like I said, not a lot of Bible verses at all. In fact, there's really no Bible verses here for this week. So, But Sunday School is not always about Bible verses. It's also about understanding why you're doing what you're doing, and we appreciate you understanding that too. But we'll circle back, and we'll have plenty of opportunities for sharing Scripture when we get back into our regular uh, Bible studies, uh, perhaps in the New Testament. Um, but there's like a, maybe a couple more weeks of this before we move back into uh, the studies that we normally do. But this is important to, for us to cover today as well. So we need to see this and look at it for what it is. 
so with that in mind, we're going to get started. We're going to get uh, hopefully got your coffee and 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 make a note that uh, again, a lot of this is going to be stuff that some of it's common sense, but we have to kind of uh, introduce it for what it is because I think a lot of people make more out of Bible translations than they should. But I, I challenge anyone and everyone: if you're reading a Bible that you don't quite understand. There's a couple things you need to do. You need to, first of all, be able to read it and understand it on the paper as it stands right then, right then. And as you read and as you go through your daily devotional studies, that you are indeed looking at uh, the context of what's being written. You are understanding prayerfully through the Holy Spirit what is being said as well, too. And that's really the approach that you should always have when you're looking at your Bible. There's no... Um, you're not reading the Bible as a novel, okay? You're not reading the Bible as a book like if you're reading uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, okay, which is a beautiful series of books written by um, uh, C.S. Lewis. But at the same time, it's not a novel, um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, Ann and Larry, good morning. Um, Jackie, I see you got your double cup of coffee thing going. Amen. Uh, we appreciate you doing that. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to go ahead and get into this material about translations, Bible translations. This is uh, really good stuff. And um, let me make sure that, first of all, before we do that, I am putting on Do Not Disturb because I can see that if I don't do that, I'm going to distract myself. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> so, All right. So here we go. Um, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we will get started. Father, we just thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for how your insight will be helpful in us being able to understand more about what you're saying to us through your word. Lord, we always come back to the fact that you tell us in the book of John, chapter 1, that in the beginning, the word, you were the word, uh, and we thank you that you indeed are the word. We, you are the living word. And we want to be able to understand exactly what you're saying to us. Help us, Lord, to be able to see that the Bibles that we're using are indeed the, your true word, that you are still proclaiming your inerrant word after all of this time, after all of these years, these decades, the centuries of activity, uh, the people from the Reformation and beyond who truly want us to understand that your Bible is true. There's no question about it. And Lord, while there are issues with copying, we know that. We have seen that and we understand that. We know that those are, those are mistakes that can be corrected and they have been corrected over time. And we'll see that as we go through this text today. Uh, that we recognize that your presence is indeed involved and all of these things are taking place. You want us to know your truth. And may we always come to truth as the defining place when it comes to your word and understanding what you're trying to say to us. We thank you. We ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, translations. So <clears throat> what's been the big deal about translations? Well, a lot of people have made, uh, have tried to criticize the word, uh, frankly, unknowingly, because they do so with, uh, and I say this with all due respect, with ignorance. Um, there's ignorance because people try to say that the Bible is unreliable because of constant retranslation. Well, that's only a one-sided argument, isn't it? Uh, the reason why we have constant retranslation is because we're trying to sometimes fix small issues that have taken place over the years when it comes to copying and making sure that things aren't being left out. We've seen that uh, when we look at passages where uh, passages have been added in some cases for clarity, and we recognize that, and we appreciate you understanding that, but... The Bible translations we have today are not the end of the, a long chain of translation. In fact, they are translated directly from the Hebrew, uh, which is the Old Testament, and the Greek, which is the New Testament manuscripts. Now, a lot of people think that um, we've gone through different language translations to do what we have today, and we haven't. It wasn't from the Hebrew to the Greek to Latin to German to English. No, that's not how it worked. We went directly, we're going from directly from the Hebrew to English and the Greek to English, especially some of these modern translations. Some of the modern Bibles have improved what the original context was 
uh, speaking in the original Hebrew and Greek that we are familiar with. We're not going to go back into all of that because we've covered that in previous classes, but it's well understood that the original uh, scripture that was written, uh, the scripture that you can find in Jewish temples today is written in Hebrew uh, in the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. And, of course, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. So we have very clear uh, areas where we can look at and see these original texts in those original languages. But now we're not going through and passing through different languages, but we're going directly all into English. Now, English is always going to be a challenge, uh, and not because of how we say it or how we speak it, but there literally are just not that many English words. And so when we, we, we want to make sure that we're very careful about how we translate from the original Greek and Hebrew, um, but there has been improvement because of how we're doing it today and how we've been doing it in some of the more modern translations. And when I say more modern translations, I'm referring to modern translations within the last hundred years. We're not talking about a whole lot of time gone by. And there's always an effort to make sure that what we're reading today, what we're seeing today is accurate. That's really important. Uh, for those of us who are purists and we want to make sure that we're reading what Scripture is saying, we're going to, to gravitate towards those texts, and we'll mention some names that are going to help us to see the original context, the original meaning that God wants us to see and wants us to understand. So the process today has been better than in the past because, first of all, we have a lot more people putting effort into it. We've gone back and looked at old translations, and while they are indeed very, very good translations, we want to understand, first of all, that we've got to be reading these texts within the modern language that we're speaking for greater understanding. That's really important, too. Um, it doesn't take away from older translations, but it does indeed help us to have greater understanding. Isn't that most important, that we understand God's Word, that we're not questioning what we're reading, we're not having to go back and every five seconds we're having to use a Bible dictionary or or use ways to translate what we're reading. That's just kind of a, a, a lot of wasted effort because as you're reading Scripture, there has to be a flow to it, doesn't there? There has to be a flow that's understandable and readable, but it has to be a flow that goes back to the original uh, intent of what Scripture is saying. So we have better original text from the science of textual criticism by studying and comparing the many available Hebrew and Greek manuscripts, and we do have manuscripts that we can point to, um, scholars are able to determine the original as accurately as possible. This has given us better Hebrew and Greek originals from which to translate into English. English, everyone. We don't need to go back and, and look at all that. We have to uh, go back and look and see was this actually accurate. Is indeed, it is indeed going to be accurate for our purposes. We also need to do this for English because of better understanding. This is what I said earlier. Um, recent scholarship has helped us to better understand various Bible terms in light of Bible culture. The, and we need to be able to understand what Scripture is saying because we want to be able to do what? Apply it to what we experience today in this world. What we experience and how we can make a comparison. What we're reading versus what we're seeing out here and what we're understanding. And Scripture has a wonderful way because of what God has put forth for us to show us these very things. Better readability. A modern translation puts forth the Bible into a more readable form. We want a readable Bibles, don't we? We don't want Bibles where we get stuck because we don't understand. That's not what is intended. That's not what we would want. And I think that the original, these Bible scholars that we have in these modern translations, the Bible needs to be understandable. Otherwise, we're kind of um, spinning our wheels, aren't we? And you have to understand something. Back in the day, when the original Bibles were being printed, uh, the Gutenberg Press and all that stuff, it, a lot of people were illiterate. <laughs> and we have to understand that a lot of people were taking what was being said um, by the people who were preaching as the truth. Well, what if they got it wrong? You, you have to understand that there's a problem there when we have that, right? The importance of the press and printing these Bibles up and having people read them for themselves and have the Spirit speak to them and understand Scripture, that is what is really, really important. So I think it's a real important case for people uh, today in the modern language. We still talk about people who only have reading levels 
uh, that are, if you don't have a seventh grade reading level um, or better, you know, coming out of high school, you're going to have trouble understanding scripture sometimes. You're going to have trouble with that. We've got to be better readers. We've got to be um, uh, very important when it comes to reading and learning our languages and being able to speak it and understand it, not getting locked into one particular language. We have to be able to speak in general and, and, and also relate to what the Bible says in general. Most Bibles are at a seventh grade reading level or higher, and we want to try to make sure that we're focusing on that. So uh, let's keep that in mind. Most newspapers, by the way, are at seventh grade reading level. I don't know if you realize that or not, but that's, that's pretty much the, the norm today. But we need to always strive to do better when it comes to our reading, don't we? So we have to challenge ourselves with that. And let the Spirit lead in that. So we have better readability, which is good. So let's define some terms as we go forward. Translation. Let's define the word translation. A translation is a rendering of the Bible in a language different than the one in which it is written. Of course, it's a translation because um, I don't speak Hebrew and I don't speak Greek. So we have to have a, a translation of the original passages, don't we? A translation is intended to be as literal as possible and still be easily read. And so if we look at the subtitles under translation, we talk about versions. The versions are the various Bible translations within one modern language. And, of course, there's going to be languages all over the world that uh, require this translation because not everybody speaks English. More and more people do speak English, but we want to also have Bible translations that are relevant to our native languages. A really important thing that I remember mentioning many years ago is that um, uh, there was a New Testament put together in uh, the, uh, the language of Gullah, the Geechee Gullah language, uh, which was the language for people who were uh, brought over as slaves from the West Indies. And they brought their cultures with them, and they settled primarily in southern North Carolina, South Carolina coast area, uh, and also Georgia uh, near the coast as well, too. They were primarily on the coast in those areas. So Hilton Head is a pretty uh, much of a hotbed. St. Helena Island is a hotbed for Gullah Geechee. And there was a New Testament put together in the Gullah language. And the neat thing about it was that it actually uh, allowed you to see the King James Version in the same text with the Gullah language, and you could see the differences between the two. And that's something that's very important for us to understand, that in order for those people to understand what Scripture was saying, guess what? There had to be a translation relative to their culture and relative to their language. And so these are very, very important things for us to all see and understand. It's important for us to talk about this and look at why this is important. So let's look at some different versions. I mentioned one just now <laughs> that's in the New Testament. They didn't tackle the Old Testament, but I think that might have been for the sake of just focusing on Jesus Christ uh, as the primary message. But um, we also have the, Eng the English versions, such as the King James Version. We know that. The New International Version. Uh, there's the Net Bible. This is the New English Translation, I believe, is the proper way to mention that. Um, we have version revisions that have taken place over time, which was necessary because some modern versions could also be called revisions within these translations because they're largely based on a previous version that was updated. What examples do we have of that? Well, the American Standard Version was a version that was put out in 1901, but we've got revised Standard Version that was also uh, put forth in 1946 and 1952. And then after that, the New American Standard Version, uh, New American Standard Bible is what you'll see uh, on most shelves and bookstores. That was from 1960. Now, 1960, you have to keep in mind, too, that's still uh, 60 years ago, isn't it? But it does still, that's the most modern version of the American Standard Version Bible. And, of course, the granddaddy of them all that we all know about is the uh, King James Version. King James Version, language of 1611, 1612. 1611 is the primary version, and then we have from that the New King James Version. That's the update uh, from 1982. So it's important for us to see that these revisions were taking place. The King James Version should be very obvious to us of why there was a New King James Version. The New King James Version just took out all of the these and thous and those were because we don't speak that way today. 
So we have to understand that for greater understanding, the, the, the language was cleaned up more towards our particular uh, time that we're living in, our, our particular cultures. So those were necessary to take place for greater understanding. A paraphrase. A paraphrase of the Bible. That's another type of a version. It is a less literal rendering of the Bible. It's restating the text to give the original sense, but not attempting to literally translate each term in the original uh, language. Now, what different versions do we have of that? So keep in mind, if you've got a paraphrased version of the Bible that I'm about to read to you, you need to go back and make sure that you have one that's more literal uh, as a way to supplement what you have right now, because these do create greater understanding, but if you're wanting to make sure that you're a purist when it comes to the word, these are not going to cut it for you. Examples, the Living Bible. You might remember the Living Bible when it came out. Well, there was a lot of criticism because of what it did, but I think a lot of people misunderstood what it was doing as well, too. It was trying to give a more uh, literal understanding of what Scripture was saying. There's the Phillips version, today's English version, called the Good News Bible for Modern Man, and, of course, the Amplified Bible. Now, the Amplified Bible, and I have a copy of the Amplified Bible in, uh, on an electronic version, and all it does is it, it greatly expands the verses to explain each phrase. That's what the Amplified Bible does. And the message, today's message, the message Bible is also a paraphrase of the Bible. If you're looking for purists, purists as far as scriptures go, I don't, I don't like condemning. I, don't, I just say I don't like it personally. Um, but if they create greater understanding, you still need to always go back to what the original text is saying to make sure that you have the understanding of exactly what God's word is and what it is doing. So just keep that in mind, too. They, and I, I guess I, I need to probably even correct myself, too. I don't want to call these Bibles evil. I don't think that's the right way to look at them. If they give understanding, that's fine. But you always go back to the original. That's what I'm saying. These are always go back to the original texts. Paraphrase is what it is. It's a paraphrase. Um, many times we as individuals paraphrase scripture because we may not have the exact text memorized and we paraphrase it. But we always go back to what the original text says to make sure we get the total meaning involved here. Interlinear Bibles. An interlinear Bible is a Bible study tool which actually contains exactly literal rendering of each Hebrew and Greek term interlinears are actually copies of the Hebrew and Greek text with a literal translation printed below that. Uh, it follows the word order and grammar of the original language, whether or not it is easily readable <laughs> in the modern language. English, for example. Because there are many times when we're reading Hebrew and it does not flow into an automatic English term that's easily readable or understandable. So interlinears can be helpful for study purposes particularly if the Bible, if the reader has some knowledge of Hebrew and Greek, but it's not useful as a Bible for regular reading. So let's be clear about that. It's more of a Bible study tool, but not for actual reading. Um, don't recommend using an interlinear Bible for that reason. Um, and of course, we, we go to bookstores and we see different Bible storybooks for children. Children's Bible storybooks. These are even less literal than paraphrases, there's no attempt to made to translate the original Bible text. Uh, the books are merely selectively retelling the story portions of the Bible. You know, the youngest children, for example, ages 3 to 7, can get exposed to the Bible by reading Kenneth Taylor's New Bible in Pictures for Little Eyes. Okay, um, Bible storybooks are different than most children Bibles, which are actually regular translations or paraphrases printed with pictures appropriate to children. And there's versions of this, the International Children's Bible, the New King James Version Explorer Bible for Kids, the NIV Adventure Bible. You've seen those. Those are out there in, in bookstores, right? But this is a way for to get children exposed to Scripture, but they're not reading uh, the Bible with uh, getting understanding of what the Hebrew words are, the Greek words are, okay? So we have to keep it in perspective, don't we? And... Just keeping things in perspective, the most literal translations are going to be those interlinear translations. And as we go into the versions, then we go after that, the ones we're reading today, the modern English versions, 
then you have the paraphrases, and then you have the Bible story books. Those are the least literal as you go further. As I kept reading, I gave you the most least, the most of the least literal of all the Bibles. So, now let's look at this a little bit more uh, closely because this is important for us to understand and recognizing that we're also making the argument here that people are going to say, well, you know, poo-poo on the Bible because we um, think that there's so many different translations. How can it be accurate? How can it be what was really said? Well, is that really the argument? Are people really making the argument because they want to see the more accuracy in the Bible or are they just trying to find an excuse to not follow Scripture? Gotta, you got to take that in, into consideration here. It's not about attacking. It's attacking the Bible because they don't want to follow it. They don't want a reason to follow it. People will find all kinds of reasons and excuses to not follow Scripture, to not follow truth. And that's what we have to understand here. So, you know, you have a lot of people who are agnostic and atheists who will try to make that argument too. Is the Bible really truth? Well, is that really the argument? Is the argument, is the Bible truth or you just don't want to believe? Let's start with that. So, uh, but yeah, my wife says like, (laughs) on the nose. That's right, because we have to recognize that that's usually the argument. Uh, That's what we have to see here. Now let's, but let's let's be self-critical here about these scriptures that we've just mentioned and look at these more closely. Since neither translations nor paraphrases are exactly literal, there is always going to be a degree of interpretation in them. Uh, and we have to look at this objectively from that standpoint. That is to put the Greek or Hebrew words and phrases into readable English. The translator has to decide to some degree what each term means. So you've got to figure out what the words mean, right? What is Hebrew? What is Greek? What are the words? What are the means behind the words? And that's where a lot of extra translations are being put out today to dig deeper into the original intent and meaning, which is good. That's what you want. Paraphrases have more interpretation than translations. That makes paraphrases easier reading because it seems everything is explained. But for that reason, they're also going to be what? Less reliable because you only know what the person doing the paraphrase thought about a particular verse uh, or what a phrase means. So it's best to stick with translations for most study and reading. And, you know, we've talked about these modern translations in church. The English Standard Version. Um, which is probably very, very close to the original intent. It doesn't flow, for example, as much as the New Living Translation, which has a more dynamic interpretation. But it still goes back to the original intent. So I fluctuate between the English Standard Version and the New Living Translation. And I'm very comfortable doing that because the New Living Translation is a great reading version. Um, I know our friends over at Really Recovered, The first Bibles they hand out to people are New Living Translation Bibles because it's a it's a New Living Translation is actually a better way uh, of the Old Living Bible. It's just a better way of of going back to the original context by using dynamic equivalents as far as greater understanding is concerned. But guess what? The New Living Translation is the most readable, easy to understand Bible for our modern language that I've ever seen. I don't think any other language any other bible comes close to that when it comes to understanding but what's the purpose again go back to the original english standard version you'll see exactly what the new living translation looks like and it's pretty doggone good it's a pretty good translation so i give a hat tip to both of those versions because those are the ones i rely upon most often not exclusively there is the Christian Standard Bible, which is actually an improvement on the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And many of you are aware that uh, Tony Evans has a Christian Standard Bible study Bible now uh, uh, out available in bookstores, which he has also endorsed. But we don't, I I mentioned this before, I don't want to get too wrapped up into this because of technicalities, but different versions come out from different publishers and endorsing one version over another version does not make it a better version. It doesn't make it uh, the best version. It is a version, and we have to keep that in mind as we look at different Bibles. You have to read these Bibles and look at them for yourself and determine what is uh, the improvement that you're looking at. The Christian Standard Bible was an improvement over the original Holman Christian Standard Bible, which I felt was an excellent version. And the Holman Christian Standard Bible went back and did a lot of... um, work to preserve the words like Yahweh and uh, going back to the original Hebrew 
Um, but uh, the Christian Standard Bible took those versions out. I think it was because of the different discussions about the use of the word Yahweh and the appropriate way to use it. And so the Christian Standard Bible is supposed to be an improvement. Now, I have read the Christian Standard Bible. I'm not as much into that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. It's still a viable version. Uh, but we have to understand that it's all about taste sometimes, too. It's about what creates the greater understanding. How the Spirit speaks to you as you read these is what you want to look for, right? So that's important. Oh, look in your timeline. You'll see the different ways that John 3.16 is being referenced. I think uh, my wife is actually putting John 3.16 in there to show how the different translations are referencing uh, the Bible. So I see the King James Version. I see the Christian Standard Bible Version. I'm not, I, don't, I can't see above there's that. One above, there's one more that's the NIV. NIV Version? Okay. New Living, Translation. New Living Translation. So you see the different comparatives on how John 3.16 is being referenced there too. And they're all accurate versions. They are all still say the same thing, but you'll see in the King James Version, we don't use the word begotten. Okay, in our modern language. So you, we, we have the modern versions that take that word begotten, only begotten son. He gave his one and only son is the different way of looking at that. So let's keep that for what it's worth. So rather than relying upon these less reliable versions, we, and we don't want to rely on paraphrases, we want to stick with translations that are available, that are easy to study, easy to read. Uh, if you're going through a Bible plan, get an easy-to-read version um, and keep a study Bible handy, uh, let's say in the English Standard Version, I'll just use an example, or the NIV Version, and keep a study Bible handy. Now, a small criticism, the NIV Version of 1984 is the best version of the NIV. There are modern translations of the NIV today that have come out, I think, 2011 and some, some versions after that. And I forget who the publisher is. I don't want to put down the publisher right now because I don't think that's appropriate. But you have to understand that the NIV today, I think, is using more gender-fluid uh, uh, language uh, within its text. I have an issue with that because I don't think that that's necessarily the original intent. So that's just my opinion. Others can argue with me and tell me that that's, uh, I'm all wet, but uh, I'm just telling you that the original 1984 version is less and less visible today. You don't see that in the NIV. You have to look at your Bible and open up your Bible in the front and see which version it is. I'm just giving you that as a heads up. I'm not saying that you should throw out your NIV Bible if it says 2011. I'm just giving you a heads up on the way they have taken that translation and kind of altered a little bit and changed it where it's referring to men and women. I don't have a big issue about that, but it is an issue. It's something to pay attention to. Um, okay, so let's move on because I've, I've got a lot to cover here and I may not be able to finish today. We'll have to, may have to pick up next week on this. And that's fine too. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to rush through. <laughs> I know, I, my mind is racing. There's all kinds of racing going on. So <sighs> I take a deep breath and slow down. Okay, so they allow having these, re these versions whether they are the original versions of, like the English Standard Version or King James Version, the modern versions, you want to make sure that you're understanding that when they, the peoples are were taking these interpretations, they're trying to create understanding based upon what they're looking at, right? I mean, that's what we have to look at here. Paraphrases are valuable for younger readers and perhaps for reading through large portions at a time for getting the big picture. So... That's all well and good because at the end of the day, we want greater understanding, right? We want people who have no knowledge of the Bible to have knowledge or understanding. But we still need to make defining statements about what translations are going to be best for the greatest possible understanding as the Spirit speaks to you about what you're reading and understanding. Can we agree that as we read our Bibles every day, and we have a Bible reading plan for that purpose, our old two-year plan that we have, available on our website that allows you to read for 7 to 10 minutes a day of Scripture and take that time after that so that you're spending prayer time in the Word where you can put a, carve out 15 minutes of your day for greater understanding because the Spirit's going to speak to you during that time. Can we agree that that's the most important approach that we can have for understanding Scripture? Of course, any Bible will do that. 
uh, but we want to make sure that you're allowing the Spirit to speak. You want a version that's easy to read. Now, let's talk about versions and paraphrases that themselves are not inspired by God. Some ultra-conservative Christian groups wrongly suggest that the King James Version has special authority as a version over all the others. I've seen this. I've heard this. Um, it is true the King James Version has had the greatest impact of any translation because it was the first one that we are aware of in modern English um, that was being used at the time. but And it was available for the longest time from 1611 through the present. But there's no special divine authority attached to it over others. Now, I'm going to give the smallest of commentaries about this because... I know there are a number of black churches out there that are still using the King James Version as the version because they believe in their mind that that version is the version that God has specially chosen for a greater understanding. Well, I'm sorry, that's just not accurate, and there's nothing that anyone can point to that says that is the case. Just because it was out there first doesn't mean that it's the best understandable version of English today. And I've heard many other commentaries, including uh, people from the Southern Seminary out there, uh, saying that the King James Version is not the most understandable and readable version today for our modern language. And there are versions out there that even do a better job of helping us to understand what's being read and understood. It doesn't mean that that version is not accurate. It doesn't mean that that version does not have, now you take out the Apocrypha and stuff like that, it doesn't mean that that version isn't accurate from the standpoint of the original Greek and Hebrew, but it does mean that there's a chance, there's an opportunity for a lack of understanding, and there's a big opportunity for taking things out of context. So we've got to be very careful about understanding that. It is also true that some versions have misleading portions that were done by a cult. The New World Translation, for example, for the Jehovah's Witnesses, I apologize now to all those who are Jehovah's Witnesses, but it is not the original scripture. We've taught this even in Sunday school in years past, that it takes and alters God's word, uh, and it does so for its original intent, and even for uh, ways and understanding of scripture uh, that are relative to what the Jehovah's Witnesses proclaim in their own faith practices. Um, other versions have certain renderings that are controversial because they were done by scholars that do not have an evangelical's perspective. Well, if you don't have an evangelical's perspective, say that really fast, evangelical perspective, such as the Revised Standard Version, um, it's a more literal biblical scholarship endorsed by the National Council of Churches, um, the Douay Version, and the New American Bible, which Catholic scholars have, the New American Bible, of course, you can find that in stores, uh, but that's going to include the Apocrypha, and we've already made a determination uh, that the Apocrypha is not part of the original scriptures that was endorsed. Um, it, those are additional writings that were not part of the original 66. And so we know that and understand that as we look at it. So ultimately, the reliability of a particular version depends upon not some special authority from God, but upon the accuracy, knowledge, and spiritual integrity of the scholars doing the translation. Understand something. Um, I believe the Message Bible is done by one person, if I'm not mistaken, who is, I think there's one individual, you have to look that up. I can't remember his name to save my life right now. But um, one person, I think, was the one who put forth the message. And again, the message is what it is, right? It's if you're reading the Bible and you want to get some, a basic understanding of what Scripture is saying, you read the message. But there's no way that you can look at what the message says and comes back, yep, Eugene Peterson, that's the name. Um, but many really good modern translations do not rely upon one person. They rely upon multiple people. Multiple people who are sitting down, having discussions about words, greater, giving greater understanding. What is the original context of the Hebrew and Greek that's what we need to understand here. So one person is not going to be the person to rely upon when it comes to interpretation. That's going to be his way of seeing Scripture. It's going to be his way of interpreting it, and that's, therefore that's what you get. You get one person if you read the Message Bible. Again, I'm not trying to beat up on the Message Bible. It, it is what it is. It's out there. 
Um, I don't know how many people are really reading the Message Bible. Um, I, I, would, I would gather to guess that a lot of people who are much younger generationally are picking up the Message Bible because it is easier to read. But it, does it really go to the exact context of what's being said in Scripture, the original he, Greek and Hebrew? You'd have to argue, no, it doesn't. It, it just does what it does, okay? Um, let's look really quick before we close out today, because we've only got a couple of minutes here, about the history of translations, because I want to cover that as well, too. And we'll pick up next week where we're going to leave off here. The ancient translations that a lot of this stuff is being referred to when we look at these modern translations is the Septuagint. What is the Septuagint? It's a Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament made in the 2nd or 3rd century B.C. The 2nd or 3rd century, the Septuagint. Its purpose was to provide Greek-speaking Jews with scriptures in the common language. Jesus and the apostles used and quoted the Septuagint. They quoted from that text, okay? In the 1st through the 3rd centuries A.D., various revisions were made to the Septuagint to correct and improve it. Why? Because they had copying methods back then, and they could have made mistakes copying. So even in that time frame, early in its um, beginnings, there were renderings of the Septuagint, and this was the Greek rendering, and copies were made, and so they had to go back and fix some copying errors. This is, this is God working, everybody. We have to understand that God is not going to allow his word to be misconstrued in such a manner where the original stuff, uh, the original intent, excuse me, uh, is loss and just call just stuff <laughs> like what I was trying to do. Um, we have to recognize that that's what's taking place. So it started with the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the original Hebrew Old Testament, and then the early Bibles as Christianity spread to various areas and language groups. Um, Christians need Bibles in their translations. Hey, I do have a passage for you. I forgot about this. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And the scripture is going to be telling you, you have to remember, this is when the original church was formed and started. And so the, the scripture is actually referring to the different people in that time frame that were being exposed to the word, okay? And the different languages. Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Sorry about that. Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. If I finish my thoughts, I wouldn't be <laughs> going backwards. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Look what it says here. This is really important for us to see. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, in verse 11, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear those people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Wow. That is just so cool. And what, what is taking place here? That's when the Holy Spirit was coming down and giving them wisdom and knowledge. And they're speaking in the native language so that they can understand. And, of course, there were those that were poo-pooing this taking place, saying, oh, they're just drunk. <laughs> you have to understand something. You've got people who are either going to believe or not believe how many times have we seen that in Scripture where there are people in the presence of God or a witness or a testimony of God and they're seeing all these different people from these different countries speaking truth and it's coming from the power of the Holy Spirit and there are people who say, oh no, they're just drunk. They've had wine too early. Uh, you're always going to have that. The criticisms of biblical inerrancy are largely because people make a choice not to believe the Bible. They make those excuses to say, well, you're just wasting your time because the Bible is not worth my time because um, it's not accurate. Well, but they can't really say that. They really don't know that. They haven't really looked at it. They can't prove it. And they can't prove it, exactly. They can't prove it. So we have to look at it for what it truly is. And 
We're going to stop there because there is some more to get into here, and we can pick up next week. I just want to mark off my place here. But look at all these different languages that are being spoken of, and we're going to pick up again with Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, and see this testimony here in Scripture about all the different people that God was reaching and speaking speaking to about his power, his wonder, and the Bible is true. Amen? That's where we leave it, and we're going to come back to that and pick up with it next week uh, about this survey on translations. And I want to encourage you, once again, as we sign off here today, make sure that you have a readable translation. Go to your bookstore and go look for readable translations. Take the time. Uh, my, my lovely bride and I spent time at Books a Million down in Canton yesterday, and they have a big, beautiful uh, bookstore with a ton of Bibles, a ton of commentaries, a lot of wonderful things that you can use and refer to when it comes to Scripture, um, and find a readable translation. Uh, get that Bible of yours, that King James Version that you have, and let's add to it, and let's get some stuff that... Uh, some Bibles that you can read and understand because that's what God would have you to do. He wants you to understand his word. He wants you to take the time to know that his word is truth, but you also want to have a readable version for your purposes and let the Spirit speak to you on that very purchase as well too. Amen? Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to look at these translations and have greater understanding about what's out there. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence throughout these discussions. Lord, may you just move us through the power of the Holy Spirit, to seek your word and seek after you more and more through your word. Lord, give us this time to study your word more and more to create greater understanding. And Lord, we thank you for even giving us greater wisdom and understanding about what's out there today that we can get into. And Lord, help us to move in the proper direction for your greatest understanding, the greatest teaching, um, and we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives right now. We want to be able to take the word today and relate it to what we see out in the world now and apply it appropriately. And speak to others about your goodness as well, too, because of your word. We give you thanks and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for your patience today. While I got through this, stay tuned online for Pastor Gus's message um, that will be available right following Sunday school. We hope to see you down the line here in Akron as well, too. We'll see you in Akron at church in a few. You guys take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.